0: So this morning's scripture comes from Luke. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, that's great. If you don't, uh, we have ones in the aisles that you can use because I believe for you to have the word in you has got to be where? That's right. To have it in you has got to be on you. And so if you have it, whether it's the kind that you swipe or you turn the page, either one is fine. I typically have both because I'm always. It's funny we had we had Tuesday night Bible study. Which who are, who has been blessed by Tuesday night turnouts Bible study? Listen, we we do not only small groups, but this actual week we had, the last couple of weeks been going on how to uh, break down and understand parables, and it's been it's been we actually went later this past Tuesday because people was just in the mist, and so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, that's fine. If you don't. Uh, you can look at the screen behind me, but we'll start with it. And so we go in Luke 17, starting in verse 11, and it says, "Now on this, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus, Jesus traveled along the border between uh, Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance." And called out in a loud voice, Jesus! That loud voice, I'm just giving what it says. Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner?" Then he said to him, "Rise up. Your faith has made you well. Let us pray, Lord. Help us praise, even while we're in the process. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So as I was preparing this, I, it really hit me in, in the way that just, it was amazing, right, that this week, in this season series, we are in week eight of the season series. That is two months worth of series about seasons. And I don't know about you, but everyone's been blessing me. Have y'all been blessed by this season series? Has it been hitting y'all? It's been strong, and so I, 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 that God is doing some amazing stuff and so. I'm excited. I'm still praying about next month's season, but God, about next month's series. But God's been moving in this season series. And I've seen so many blessings, and I've heard so many praise reports, and I'm just excited for all of that. But we learn from our foundational scripture, Ecclesiastes 3, that we understand that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity. And we've been looking at the season of our lives and the way that God has equipped us to navigate, operate, and thrive in the seasons that we're in. Whether we're in a season of of burial or a season of preparation or a season of refreshing or a season where God is just doing something in our lives of harvest, we are just in a place where we're learning how to operate and navigate and, and just thrive in every single one of those times and seasons. And so I want to this week as we go into Thanksgiving is talk about a season of thankfulness how to be thankful in this season, in this time. And so, again, when the time that I have with with the moments I have this morning, I'm going to speak from the title, what a comeback. What a comeback. So first, again, like I mentioned, nine verses, four points. We're going to keep it strong, keep it real, and keep it moving. Amen? Amen. And so let's go back to the Scripture and look at what's happening. So again, we meet the Scripture. Jesus is on the move. He's traveling. It says, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men had with leprosy met him. They stood at a, difference, a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I love the fact that we understand a bunch of context just from this. You see, in the Bible, when they use the term leprosy or all that kind of stuff, it's an overall arching term for skin disease. They really don't go specifically what people are dealing with, but in the time that this was taking place, leprosy was uncurable. Leprosy was something that you had, and when you had it, you quarantined, you went away. So these ten men had been away from society for a minute. They were outside of camp, and so they were just left for dead and buried. They were left for people who were just on their way out. They had nothing, and so them seeing Jesus, to them was was a Hail Mary. They they saw Jesus, and they said, Master, from a distance, because they were quarantined and they were distant. They said, have pity on us, which is my first point I want to make. Write this down. What afflicts you isn't too much for God. Sometimes we forget that, and I want us to understand that whatever afflicts you is not too much for God. Because God, no matter what it is, when your pursuit is healing and not coping, will give you the resources to do it. See, some of us want think we're pursuing healing, but we're actually pursuing coping. Now, what is coping, you're asking? Coping is pursuing life with something. Pursuing life with something. You're coping when you've understood that this is a part of my life. It is what it is. Now, let me figure out how to adjust my life with this still in my life. And so you run to things that help you cope, help you ignore, help you overlook, help you distract you from messing your life. While healing, healing is pursuing a life without that thing. You see, if you don't go to the doctor when you break your legs because you're coping with the break, but if you go to the doctor, you're pursuing healing from the break. And some of us use things as coping that could be for healing, but we've made it something else. When you use television or entertainment or, or things to distract you from what you're dealing with, that is coping. And I need to tell you something if you cope, it'll never heal. You're coping thinking that one day it'll go away, but when you cope, you understand that you never give it a reason to go away. When you cope, that's, that's you accepting that it's going to be there. When you cope, that's you accepting that's a part of your life. When you cope, that is you giving defeat to whatever it is. You're like, listen, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to just watch television for eight hours a day. I'm going to go home, I I, I got this show, I'm going to binge it, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to turn off my brain. Why are you turning off your brain? Because I don't want to think about that thing. But it's such a good show. The the characters, the writing, it's amazing. You should watch it. I mean, I will, but are you watching it because you like it or because it keeps you from dealing with the thing you're dealing with? You like, oh, I, I go to restaurants every single day. I get a new meal every day. Why? Because food is something I can control. Food can give you health, but it can also make you unhealthy if you make it the wrong kind of thing. Even alcohol. Je- Jesus drank, there's wine, well, Jesus made wine, but wine wasn't the God. Wine wasn't the thing to make life better. He enjoyed the moments, but he didn't use it as a, as a crutch, as a thing to, to obscure him from the realities of life. Things in moderation with the right submission to God are okay. But if you're doing those things as a way to distract, as a, th- as a way to, to, to make life better and w- without going to God, then you've made it an idol that you're coping with. These people, these 10 men pursued Jesus, and keep in mind, they didn't let distance distract them. Sometimes we want to see, we're want. we like, God, I want to see you in this place to know you're working. And God's like, listen, I I can be anywhere and work anytime. Are you pursuing me where I'm at? God, I'm not doing nothing until I see you right here. Well, yeah, but are you pursuing me in the distance? Are you pursuing me when life is full? Are you pursuing me when it seems like there's too much on your plate? Are you pursuing me when life seems overwhelming? Or only when you're humpy-dory, lackadaisical? We have a tendency to push God down the priority list when life gets too full. Wondering why things aren't working. It's like it's not working because you're, because you're coping, not healing. It's not working because you're not pursuing God in that moment. Even from a distance, even with something they considered uncurable, they pursued God. And don't get get too sad. I'm not telling you that you should forgo everything that resources that we have and just be like, you know what you're doing with this thing? Give it to God and walk away. No, God will give you the professionals, sometimes the medication, sometimes the circle, sometimes the resources to do whatever it is. But those things always have to be submitted to God. There are some doctors that don't believe in God, and there's plenty that do. There's some psychiatrists and therapists that don't believe in God, but there are plenty that do. There are, there are people that God will put in your circle that will help you. But again, with all those things, you have to pursue and seek God to get those things. You have to pursue God. They pursued healing through Christ. They didn't try to heal themselves, No, They called out and said, Master, have pity on us because they saw Jesus as a way to freedom out of healing. And I love the fact that, that, that point number two, sometimes it takes crying out. Sometimes we're going to pray a nice little quick prayer and be like, all right, cool, that was Humpy Dory. We're we going to be all right. No, sometimes you got to dig in. Sometimes you got to have them ugly prayers, ugly cries. You got to be in the closet being like, Lord, why? Sometimes you got to be on your knees trying to figure this thing out in terms of how do I get to God closer. Sometimes it's going to take that, and that's not a punishment. That's not God ignoring you. That's saying God showing you got skin in the game. Crying to God, there's nothing wrong with that. Crying to God shows God how important it is to you. Crying to God shows that it means something to you, that you're passionate about it, that you have a heart for it, and that you're pursuing him in a way that goes beyond how you feel in that moment. Nobody wants to have the ugly cry. Nobody just, like, just starts out, just like goes from regular to like, Ugh. Nobody does that. It's a progression. But God is with you in every single step, and these men knew it. They cried out in a loud voice, an audible voice, a voice that Christ could hear. Now, keep in mind, too, if Christ heard it, everybody else heard it. Some of us want to cry out to God in the loudest, worldly, silent voice we can. It's kind of like when you're trying to You had a group of people, co-workers sometimes, and y'all go to lunch, and you pray for your food, and you do that little quick, like, eyes closed while the food comes in prayer, so they look up and their eyes, eyes open with them. Oh, y'all don't do that. Y'all, don't, y'all, 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 y'all pray full-fledged and your co-workers at the table? No, we, we do that because we're like, I'm proud for Christ until we're in a public and we're like, well, let me just kind of not be the weird one. So I'm going to do my little quick prayer when nobody sees me and move on. They didn't care about what it looked like to get to God. They were more concerned with healing, not the presence of what they're doing. They cared more about getting to God than what it looked like around them. They were, they, they were like, listen, we already are considered untouchable. We're already considered to be quarantined. We're already considered to be out there. So if I'm calling to Christ, if I'm calling to Jesus, it's not going to be that worse. For some, here's the thing. For some of y'all who are known as the office Christians, you praying to God out loud is not weird for people. They already know it. You yeah, ain't like it's a secret. No. they When they ask what you're doing on Sunday morning, you say going to church? It's because they know you're doing that. Don't alienate folks, but just be bold with who you are. Be cool with who you are. If you I am a I am a recovering Panthers fan. Listen, I'm from Charlotte, and I was there in 2005 when they came in. I could name you every single kicker. I got so many jerseys of players no longer there. It's crazy, right? 1995, yeah. what'd I say? Listen, listen, it's been that long. I remember when they came with, 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 the, with the Jaguars, right? I remember that. And so I have had moments of happiness, not as much happiness. But I had, but for, there was a season in my life when everything I had, every single part of my wall, every, everything that I owned had something connected to the Panthers. So even if you didn't know me, you know stuff attached to me was, was, was connected to the Panthers. People knew, even if I didn't say a word, that I was a fan of the Panthers. How many people people know you follow Christ even when you don't say a word? How many people know what you have belongs to Christ? We want to be big-time fans on a Sunday and quiet fans during the week. God's like, I need need year-round fans. I need bold fans. I don't need obnoxious fans because that hurts the brand. But I need bold fans. I need bold people. I need people who are, aren't afraid to say my name in a public space. These men weren't afraid to do that. And so they called out and it says, when, they saw, when he saw them, this is Jesus, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as, you, as they went, they were cleansed. Let me just stop right there. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. And on the way, they were cleansed. Let me give you a context because I had to research and do context of why that is. So back in that time, uh, there's actual precedence for this. If you look at uh, Leviticus 13 and 14, but I'm not going to read all that because that's, that, that's a long chapter. But essentially, the responsibilities of priests were to, were to tell and dictate and notate who was clean and unclean who had diseases, who had sicknesses, and who was considered good to be around society again. And so that was their role. That was their responsibility. And so Jesus saying, go to the priest, was Jesus saying that the priest is going to confirm the testimony of your life. He said, go to the priest. Now, keep in mind, he did not say you are healed. He did not say, call it done. No, he said, go to the priest. Go to the priest and you'll be cleansed. Which lets me know this, healing happened on the journey. Let that sink in for a second. Healing happened on the journey. So point number three, God will prepare your testimony while you're on the way to give it. God will prepare your testimony while you're on the way to give it. Some of y'all want to have the whole big picture, start to finish, opening credits to end credits with after credit scene before you even take the journey. And God's like, listen, by the time you get there, you are going to have a testimony that blows minds. He didn't say you are healed, now go see the priest. He said go see the priest, and on the way it says they were cleansed. It took the action of them obeying what God is asking them to do, to be on the path of cleansing, on healing. Some of you have not been healed because you have not moved. He said, go, and then they mentioned cleansing. We have it out of order sometimes. I'm not going to move till you prove it, God. And God's like, listen, I'm not going to do it till you prove that you follow me. Faith is what God uses, their faith to say, oh, I got to go, bet. And they moved. They still, f- keep in mind, when they took that first step, I'm sure their skin still hurt. I'm still, their body still like, I'm sure in that first step, they was like, what is this garbity-gook? But as they moved, they found that they were cleansed. And it didn't say at what part of the journey. Some of y'all are like, okay, I took half a step. Am I healed now? No the healings on the journey, I promise by the time you get to the place that will that will not validate but confirm what God is doing, you're going to see the testimony that comes through that. He said, go. They went. And on the journey there, they were cleansed. And and I love the fact that, 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 that they, in this process, had dealt with this. And so, in verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, this is important to understand. Because while there were ten men... They were not all the same. While they were ten men with the same affliction, they were not from the same background and same circumstances. Some of us are so focused on being being around people that are like us that we miss out on on helping people that are like us. Sometimes the people that deal with the same things you deal with don't look like you. Sometimes the people that deal with the same physical or mental or, or, or life pressures don't look like you. And there's a tendency to want to, 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 to dictate who we pray with, who we talk to, who we talk with based upon how much we feel like we look alike. The kingdom of God is not a monolith. It is a group of people who are pursuing the Christ and understand the salvation of Christ. It doesn't doesn't say that we all look the same. Listen, listen, we are all Gentiles who are brought in through the, through the, the, the sacrifice of God and Jesus to be a part of that kingdom family. We don't all look alike, but yet we want people who praise like us to look like us. One of them was a Samaritan, and one of them was a foreigner. Be, the, the way it says because the rest of them were Jews. And Jews were seen to have an understanding on customs and wisdom, and they had a familiarity with the scriptures and what, the, what happened. And so it's interesting because the people who were used to the customs were the ones that enjoyed the blessing and kept moving their life. It was the one who was considered an outsider and different that actually came back and gave thanks to Christ. Sometimes we get so familiar with God that we forget to come back and say thank you. When we're we're in the middle of crisis, every little thing God does, like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But the minute we feel like we're in safe waters, we go, all right, appreciate you. I'll holler at you next time. And I love this, too. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me this. It talks about when he first called Jesus, what he used a what? Loud voice. But it talks about when he came back and he was praising God, what did he use? A loud voice. He kept that same energy. Whether you're praising or praying, you got to keep that same voice. You got to keep that same energy. You got to keep that same pursuit. Whether you're on the end of like saying, God, please do this, or God, I'm pleased that you did this, keep the same energy with God. The same pursuit, the same prayers, the same going into his word. You got to keep that same energy. You got to be as consistent with God as God is consistent with you. We We tend to let our voices shrink a little bit when we get what we want, we get a little ghost when we got what we want. And it's funny that, that 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 when people do that to us, when they get what they want from us and they get silent, we get offended. But we do it to God all the time. We left God. We leave God on red every day. We screen God's calls every day. Be like Lord, if you get me through this, I'll do whatever you ask me to. And He's like, okay. Bet. So he gives you what he brings you through this, and he's like, "Okay, it's time for me to call." And you're like, "Ah, I ain't got time to talk right now." Let me put on "Do Not Disturb." I'm living my life right now. That Samaritan came back with that same energy, that same gratitude, that same thankfulness, that same heart to come back, and Jesus. Being Jesus, who was very real and honest, said, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Like he's coming, he's here, and he sees the Samaritan at his feet just be like, Lord, thank you so much. And Jesus like, yeah, cool, but I count one. I heard a bunch of y'all, but you came back. We're, okay, maybe, maybe my math is off. No, got, he's like, no, where are the other nine of you? And he says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? This person who is new, even outlier of the faith. How does this person who is outlier of the faith know to do more than the people who are accustomed to the faith? Here is the thing that is interesting to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are people who are more faithful to bosses than they are to God. There are—let me rephrase that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for correcting me. There are people in the church. (laughs) There are people in the church who have co-workers who are more faithful to something than we are to the God that we serve. There are people that we would consider non-believers who believe in something more than we do. This foreigner, who was not a Jew, who was outside the customs, who didn't do anything, had more of an understanding of what gratitude and response was than the people who knew what it was supposed to be about. It talks about the word that if we don't praise, the rocks will cry out. But they did. We can't, let me tell you something. Can't nobody praise God more than we can praise God. I don't care who he is. I need us as a body to be the loudest, most boisterous, most pleasant voices for God that you could possibly do. There, there needs to be nobody crying out to God more than we are. No, Nobody crying out to the universe. Nobody crying out to the—no, you know, it's Jesus. is God. All day, every day. And so he cried out, and and, and I love it because he cried out, and and, and he came back— And he returned and praised God. And then it says, then Jesus said to him, the Samaritan, rise up, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. When you come back to God, there's access to more. You see, he was healed physically, but God gave him an eternal healing that was was beyond expectation. It's like a couple years ago. uh, A friend of ours gave my wife a gift for her birthday. And it came to the door and we got it. And so she opened it up. It was unexpected and she opened it up and said, Oh, thank you so much. And it was these chocolate covered strawberries, a little box of chocolate covered strawberries. And my wife, being my wife, like, this is how we work. This is how God now, I knew God put us together. So uh, my wife and I, we started, when we were dating, I lived with my brother. And uh, we had this little pove-dunk, itty-bitty, tiny TV. I had a bigger one, but I had lost it uh, just from life circumstances. And so we had a, big, a little bitty TV. And so I, uh, I was like, man, I missed the TV that I had. And this is back in the day. So for y'all who are younger, this is a tube TV, okay, which meant it was a box. It was as wide as it was long, okay. It was like a 30-inch screen, but it was 30 inches wide in the back, too. Like It was, it was a mammoth, right? And I lost it. And so it's funny because a guy who fixed TVs was like, hey, young man, have it. And so he gave me that TV. So I was like, cool, God is great. And so it was was just something that God had given me, and I lost it. And so she was being a blessing. And so she comes in, and she gives me a gift. And it's a remote. And I'm like, oh, thank you, a remote. I'm like, well, I guess I can program for this little TV I had. And she's like, well, no. Here's a TV to go with. I was like, oh, thank you so much. I did that makes more sense. I appreciate it, but I was so grateful with the remote that I appreciate the TV. Well, jumping further, jumping back, she gets this box of strawberries. And so she's like, oh, a box of chocolate covered strawberries. Thank you so much, friend. And so she calls her friend to tell her that she appreciates the gift, appreciates the heart, and it's so amazing. Well, she calls it. she calls her friend, and her friend says, yeah, you liked all of it? And she's like, what do you mean all of it? Yeah, there, you didn't get all of it? You no. Know? There was a giant edible bouquet that came with it. They just didn't drop it off. And so the, the the friend gets on the phone and gets called, and that gets dropped off and everything else. But the point I tell with that is that had Lanita not called with gratitude for the little, there would have been no more. It was the gratitude for the small thing They gave access to the more in the same way your gratitude to God for the little things gives you access to so much more than you can imagine. We are so, if we just said thank you for the little things, do you know how much access to more you could possibly get from God? Do you know how much healing, how much wholeness you can get from God? The Samaritan knew that. Understand that that thankfulness, that comeback got him more. He got physically healed, but he was made whole. So point number four, write this down. Going to God will have you healed. Coming Coming back to God will have you whole. Coming to God will have you healed, but going back to God will have you whole. There's more you can get from God going back to him than you ever get going in the first place. God wants that consistent faithfulness. All that to say, Psalms 100, verse 4. And I I pray that you get this in your spirit and meditate on this and have this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Gratitude is the outpour of a mindset. Being grateful and gracious and, and, and just praising the little things is about understanding that what we have isn't ours, but we have the opportunity to have it, whether it's the experience, whether it's the time, whether it's the skill set, even the things in our testimonies aren't for us. They're as an illustration and a representation of the glory that God has put in our lives. Because we are His advertisements. We are His disciples. We demonstrate to the world that God is a great guy. And we say thank you and have gratitude in our hearts. God can do something with that. I want to say enter His gates with Thanksgiving. It doesn't say once you get there, have Thanksgiving. It doesn't say, be there for a while and have thanksgiving. It says, no, even as you go through it, have thanksgiving. Have gratitude in the process. And I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to lie. There's going to be some days where gratitude is easier than others. But I promise you, the testimony on the other end will be so much greater than you can imagine. So as we go, as we go through this holiday season, as we go of being thankfulness, it's interesting the fact that the world, the society, has made this season about being thankful, about being nicer to people. I'm like, listen, I, I want to have a cheerful heart and a giving spirit year-round because I want blessings from God year-round. But think about that. As we do Thanksgiving on Thursday, as we as we, as we go to those places with people and, and groups where we are going to be thankful, be thankful not just for what you're doing, but the God who allowed you to do it. Even in these moments where we not where we want to be or not where we think we should be or things that are ideal, be grateful for the coverage we have. Be content and be happy with what we have because if you are grateful now, God will do so much more. No matter what you're going through, when your heart is to come back to God, there is a breakthrough that blows your mind and and blows the minds of people around you. And I promise you, He will be you know, people will go to you and see your life, and no matter where you came from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've been dealing with, when they see the upswing, when they see what God is doing, and when they see the testimony of the life that God's put in you, they're going to be like, yo, what a comeback. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. So glad you could join us for today's worship. We hope that you will visit us again, follow us on our social media platforms, and if today's message was a blessing for you, you can go to our Hungry Church YouTube page and watch the service again and even share it with your friends. Be blessed and stay hungry.